Do you want to end the drama of trauma? Find out how on this episode of Pushback. Concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. And as I promised last week, I want to continue my discussion this week about our spirit, soul, and body. I believe this is such an important topic uh, that has so many implications in not only the way that we live uh, and, and the joy and happiness we have in our own life, but I believe that it actually releases us and gives us freedom relationally as we uh, are living in families and in relationships here on the earth. It's such an important piece uh about talking about pain. And, and if and if we haven't, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast entitled Stress Test, I encourage you to stop this recording right now, go back, listen to that, because that'll be foundational to what we talk about today. Because I want to actually jump into a topic uh, about trauma. Now, please hear me in this. When a lot of people even hear the word trauma, uh, they begin to either tune out or run or turn their back on the topic because it hurts. But please do me the favor, honor me in this. Just listen to me for 25 minutes uh, for this podcast and, and hear what I have to say because I believe that there is a piece of freedom here for you, uh, especially if you've struggled with trauma or know somebody who has dealt with trauma in their lives, as many of us have. I believe this was an important piece that the that the really the spirit has revealed to me that I want to share with you um, that I believe will bring you some serious freedom. So the enemy likes to stir things up, and and there's nothing more he loves than trauma. And so even if you hear the word and you feel like running, please push through that and listen to this podcast. I believe it is very very important for you. Now the definition of trauma. You know I love my definitions. The definition of trauma is a disordered mental or behavioral state resulting from severe mental or emotional stress or physical injury. Now I'm going to leave that definition there and I'm going to come back to that because I want to uh, just recap a little bit of what I talked about last week. We talked about last week that we aren't uh, a body that happens to have a soul and that has been given a spirit. We're actually a spirit. We, our body and soul was actually crucified with Christ. It says, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. But Christ and his spirit actually lives within us. And that's what Jesus was talking to about in Nicodemus in John chapter 3, where he said, you know, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. He was talking about that, that our body and our soul have actually been crucified and we are to be resurrected with Christ as a spirit. So we are spirit that actually has a soul and a body. And I would go even so far as to say a temporary body. See, when we give our life to the Lord, our spirit lives forever eternally with him. That's really good news. 
And so when Jesus died and rose, he said, it's actually good that I go. Now think about the preposterousness of that statement that he said, it's actually good that I go because I'm going to send you the spirit. And in Acts chapter one, we know Pentecost comes and he says, when the spirit will come upon you, that actually term come upon you actually means indwelling. The spirit will come and indwell within you. And the sign of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit in us. And it's a greater covenant than even Adam and Eve experienced because they they experienced God with us. We actually experience God in us. Yay, that should make us super, super happy. The spirit is to take up rule and residence in you. This is the order of rule and residence in our lives that our spirit is actually supposed to rule and take authority in our life. But our soul and our body actually wars against our spirit and wants to take control. And that's what, it's, what we talked about last week in Galatians chapter 5. It says, if we walk in the spirit, um, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Other interpretation says wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we cannot allow our body and our soul, our flesh, to rule. But we are to be ruled by our spirit and we are to be known by the fruit. Now, self-control doesn't mean willpower. It doesn't mean to try to behave ourselves um, because will, our will, is actually part of our soul. Our body is our flesh, the things that we see, taste, touch. That's our body. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, and our feelings. But we are to have internal control. The fruit of our spirit is that we are actually controlled internally. The word is enkrateia. It means strength or power within. It means to be internally controlled. And when we are led by the spirit, and we are internally controlled, things look different in our bodies and souls than we're used to. And so the answer when things become disordered is to allow the Holy Spirit to once again gain rule and residence in our lives. See, we can't operate or see the lack of fruit and then try to fix it ourselves. See, we too often try to engage the problems in our lives, the stress, the trauma, the, the, the worries, the anxieties from our flesh. But hear me in this. It is fruitless to try to will myself to bear fruit. It is fruitless. I mentioned last week that I, I, I suffer from or I have difficulty in the realm of patience. So I can't just say, I'm going to will myself to be a more patient man. It doesn't work that way. The answer is to align our spirit, to be willing to be bridled by the spirit, to do and say only as he leads. So I gave the example last week that when I go up to a stoplight and I'm feeling impatient, I say, come Holy Spirit. I activate my spirit because my spirit is in control and my soul and body then are to come into alignment. Spirit, soul, and body. Only the Holy Spirit can be the fixer. 
If you're listening today and you're suffering from, from trauma, from pain, from stress, from anxiety, then repeat after me, only the Holy Spirit can be the fixer. See, we can't just try to treat the symptoms. Spiritual problems need a spiritual solution. See, trauma, pain, stress, anxiety, that entered the world as the result of sin and a separation. When we were separated from the presence of the Father in the garden, it was a spiritual loss. It was a spiritual loss. And so spiritual problems need a spiritual solution. So let me go back to the definition of trauma. It's a disordered mental or behavioral state resulting from severe mental or emotional stress or physical injury. A disordered mental, which is your soul, or behavioral, which is your body, resulting from severe mental or emotional stress or physical injury. So what happens when trauma enters our life and trauma is real. It's a severe mental or emotional stress or physical injury that takes place in our life. When it enters our life, it injects an entry point into our soul. See, trauma and the effects of the enemy doesn't get to replace our spirit. Our spirit is intact and connected to heaven and to the spiritual places. So the only entry point that the enemy has when these emotional or uh, mental stresses happen is our soul. And what it does, because it injects the hypodermic needle into our soul, it magnifies the soul. Now remember, the soul wars against or competes against our spirit. And when our soul becomes enlarged, when our soul becomes magnified, then the thoughts, our emotions, our feelings rule the day. And we become consumed with anxiety and fear and ruminating thoughts. How many people have been there? I certainly have. See, fear is the result of the injection of trauma into our lives. Fear is the currency of hell. What do I mean by currency? It's, it's the means by which resources are exchanged. Faith is the currency of heaven. And faith is the, is the, is the means or the mechanism by which resources are exchanged with heaven. So instead of internal spirit control, our soul dominates and begins to actually speak to our spirit. Now remember, it's a disordered mental or behavioral state. And it begins to lie to us. That's what the enemy does. He's the father of lies. And he begins to lie to us. And he begins to inject fear into our lives. And that fear then actually begins to speak to our spirit. And our soul becomes the dominant force. And it begins to run and often ruin our lives. See, now the devil speaks to us and convinces us that our soul knows best and that this inflated soul is real because what we have experienced in the past is real. Now listen, this is key. The enemy loves to replay our past. 
He loves it when our past prophesies the future. And the result of a fear-dominated soul is pain. Now, this isn't a judgment, but if you are living in pain, if you are living in anxiety, if you're living in fear, it's because you've allowed your soul to dominate. See, we fear the worst because the worst has already happened. We know that it can happen. And so we fear it. And the enemy likes to use a megaphone and likes to to project and to, to illuminate and to magnify our past so that it dominates our present and it prophesies our future. So what is the answer? It's crazy because I've, I've researched trauma quite a bit. I'm very interested in it, in the way that it, it manifests itself in our life. Let me just tell you a quick story. It's interesting. As a physician, uh, we actually have to take a class called ATLS, Advanced Trauma Life Support. And I found, interestingly, when I would go to these classes, it's usually a two-day class, very intense, talking about intense trauma and the way that we triage those in the emergency department, the way that we handle them and stabilize patients. It's interesting, when I usually, when I usually drive home uh, after this course, there's something in my spirit that feels heavy. And I finally recognized it, that I've just spent two days immersed and bathed in trauma, the discussion of trauma. And there's a heaviness that comes with that. And I've learned after this class to sort of wash that off and to re-engage my spirit so that the trauma, even in my soul, doesn't, doesn't actually activate. Now, Amy and I have been through some rough things, more time than we I have in this podcast to explain. But it isn't a competition of trauma of what's worse or what's better or what's more severe or what's less severe. The truth of the matter is the enemy is an equal opportunity traumatizer. He will go after anybody at any age in any vulnerability. He doesn't feel bad for us or feel that we're too vulnerable. No, he'll go after anybody. And so what is the answer? What is the answer when you've experienced it and you're gripped by it? Well, the answer or the fix for disorder is order. Let me say that again. The answer or the fix for disorder is order. Remember, trauma, definition, a disordered mental or behavioral state resulting from severe mental or emotional stress or physical injury. The answer is order. Yes, the hypodermic needle injected into our soul needs to be removed. But the other piece is that the spirit who's in charge and in control needs to be brought back into order. See, I'm flabbergasted as I've researched trauma and I've actually gone on secular websites and medical resources and they're excellent. They're very, very good about defining what trauma is and, and the emotional and the biochemical reactions in our brain that takes place with trauma. It's fascinating. It's interesting and it's very well versed and it's very well described on the internet if you just simply do a search. The problem is, is when you get to the end, The secular world has no answer. Their only answer is is to try to alleviate the symptoms of your soul. 
They try to find ways to alleviate the pain and the anxiety in the soul through meditation or yoga or soft music or other ways to try to to activate your brain, your mind, will, and emotions so that it doesn't hurt so bad. But my friends, that's actually ludicrous because the problem is, is that your soul is already too big. The soul is already too dominating. And so the answer isn't to try to magnify or bring more attention to your soul. My mind, will, and emotions when I'm stressed and when I'm anxious are already out of control. The answer isn't to try to just bring some kind of, try to bring some sort of external physical control to try to make me feel better. The answer is to bring order. Spirit-led, spirit-controlled. Remember, only the Holy Spirit is the fixer, and only he can remove the needle and the pain. It is fruitless to try to will ourselves or convince ourselves or reason ourselves out of pain. Conventional counseling sometimes is fixated on trying to reason or will ourselves out of our pain. But the Spirit of the Lord is what separates us from the rest of the world. And my friends, I am super happy to tell you that we have the real answer. We have it. Not we can look it up or we can try to summon it or we can try to to will ourselves into it or to meditate into it. Guess where it is? It's right inside of us already. He lives in us and he wants to internally control us. Not in a domineering, powerful, subjective, subjecting us to, to um, some type of slavery mentality. That's not the kind of control that my father uses. But rather a loving, healing, surrendering way that we give ourselves to the Spirit. And he controls us and he leads us and he guides us through this pathway of healing. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the needles in our soul don't get to stay. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to rule. Now listen, there may need to be counseling. We may, you may need somebody to walk alongside of us. There may have been such trauma and pain in your life that for me to just give a 25-minute podcast doesn't make all of those things magically go away. And you may even need medications sometimes to help to help the process so, so that biochemically your brain can think clear think clearly to make right decisions, to allow the Holy Spirit to take, take control. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that removes the needle. But only if we let him. Now, please hear me for the next couple minutes. I know this is going to be hard to hear. But the key is to be willing to, to have the needle removed. And I am not naive to know that that sometimes is very hard. Sometimes it's scary to allow the needle to be removed from our mind, will, and emotions because we're so used to our soul ruling. Sometimes trauma can become a familiar friend. Sometimes trauma can be the excuse for our behavior. And we don't want to remove the excuse. Sometimes trauma 
can be our identity. Sometimes trauma makes us have to tell the story, have to, have to know that people, have, we have to let people know that we are hurting and that we are in pain. But my friends, that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to be dominated by it. The enemy wants you to be um, made impotent through it, powerless. The enemy wants you to be paralyzed. If you feel paralyzed, it's because that's what he wants. He wants your soul to be inflated. So when we approach trauma, we can't ignore it. And I'm sorry, despite the, the, the adage, time does not heal all wounds. It doesn't. Time sometimes allows us to learn to manage our pain better. But there's only one fixer, remember? And remember, damage control is different than being healed. There are people who have a well-developed soul. Their soul is strong, and so they can go on with life. They can push through. They, they, can, they can muddle through. But that's not being healed. That's walking around with a 10-foot spear in your chest. Sometimes people can live that way, but it's not an effective way to live. We can't assume that those who we love are healed just because they are processing life, just because they are engaged in life, just because they can move on and pay the bills. Sometimes the pain has actually kept people away. It keeps people at an arm length because it hurts. It hurts to engage and it hurts to even talk about it. We cannot be ashamed of our pain. Only the Holy Spirit can be the fixer. And my friends, I have testimony after testimony that he is the healer and he does take away trauma and pain. It's going to require you to go to the throne where the answer is. And I'm not, and I'm telling you, that's not always easy. Can I just finish this podcast with a story? My wife and I were ministering in the Netherlands. We were at a church there. And I, I just felt in the spirit as I was talking about some of these things, spirit, soul, and body, and, and how the, the father is the healer of trauma. And I just felt in my spirit that, that the Lord was going to heal um, very specifically women who have been sexually and emotionally ab abused. Now, that's a big thing. And so I called that out, you know, through a use of an interpreter, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit was going to bring bring healing, like instantaneous healing of, of women who have been in bondage through the pain of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. So I called that out. My wife and I went back to the hotel and we were slightly jet lagged, so we were kind of awake <laughs> at one in the morning or whatever. And I was talking and I, and I was fretting. I was, I was nervous. I was worried because, you know, it, it's, it doesn't do a whole lot of good to stir up those things, stir up those trauma if, if the Lord isn't going to deliver and show up and bring healing. So I was worried. I was like, man, I hope I heard the Lord right on that. I was, I was fretting. Well, we went to the service the next day and I was giving, before I even went up for the message, the pastor was speaking in Dutch. I didn't know what he was saying. And, and halfway through what he was saying, an interpreter finally came over and began to whisper in my ear that he was actually calling for testimony from the night before. 
And as he was saying that, actually before he was done saying that, four or five women began to climb over their seats to run up to the front. And they began to give their testimony on how they were gripped by, by the, the pain of the trauma of emotional and sexual abuse. And that night before, when I called this out, they were instantly healed of that trauma and pain. My friends, I began to weep Weep openly because the Lord did show up. He called out what he does and he he heals things. It's what he does. It's his job description. He does not want you to live and to be gripped by trauma and fear. So if that's you, the answer is to engage engage your spirit. Allow the spirit to rule. Willingly go to the throne and say, Holy Spirit, I give you control. I surrender control and I bring back order to the disorder. I ask you to remove the needle from my soul and that I will not be ruled by my mind, will, and emotions, but I will be ruled by my spirit. You can hit rewind and keep replaying that prayer over and over again until it settles in your spirit and that you have complete healing and victory. I want your testimony. I want your testimony. Go to gofam.org. And even at the sound of this podcast, I believe that there will be healings and, 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 and freedom found from this trauma. And if that's you, and you're willing to say that simple little prayer that I just prayed, I believe that you're on the pathway to healing. It's at least a start. I want to hear your testimony. Thank you for listening all the way through the end, even though this, I'm sure, has been painful for some. But our goal is to have healed people and healed families so that we can go together and set and shape the culture.